You're listening to The Omni Show, where we connect with the amazing communities surrounding The Omni Group's award-winning products. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and today we hear how Etsy CEO Chad Dickerson uses OmniFocus. Welcome everybody to this episode of The Omni Show. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and today we have Chad Dickerson. Chad runs his own executive coaching practice, Strong Bank Open Heart, where he works with CEOs, other C-level execs, and teams to help them grow themselves and their businesses. He's done coaching work with 30 companies to date and is generally working with about 15 clients at any given time. Chad was the CEO of Etsy from July 2011 to May 2017. Uh, he helped lead the company in its mission and growing it into a global community of creative entrepreneurs and their customers. Chad, we are so, so honored to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited to be here. It's so funny. I talked to Randy, uh, who we had a couple of episodes ago. Uh, hey, do you have anybody you recommend that loves OmniFocus or OmniGroup products? And he's like, uh, yeah, I do. Actually, the CEO of Etsy was using OmniFocus. I was like, mm, I would be interested to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, this is one of my favorite topics. I've spent a lot of time talking to Randy about it over the years. You know, it's funny, I'm reading on the blog more about yourself, just trying to get a, a feeling for your bio as I'm preparing for this interview. And uh, I do want you to share more about your role as CEO. That's fantastic. But I love that the whole CEO executive coaching was just a small slice of the things that you shared about yourself. What else besides those roles would people want to know about you if they got to know you better? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's pretty easy to kind of know someone by their LinkedIn profile, their resume, but there is so much more to a person. And so outside of that, which you know, anyone could look at, I think one of the things that I, I really spend a lot of time on is music. I was kind of a hacky guitar player for probably, and still am, you know, 20, 25 years. And over the past few years, starting the pandemic or just before the pandemic, I started taking piano lessons and that led me to a bunch of music classes. So I've learned how to play piano and I've got better at guitar and piano. So spend a lot of time on music and recording just for fun. I'm not trying to be famous or anything like that. But then I, you know, I think the other thing is my background. I grew up in North Carolina. I'm a died in the wool Southerner. I have lived in the South though since like 1995, but it's a huge part of my identity. Both sets of my grandparents were tobacco farmers and uh, almost Pretty much all of my relatives still live in North Carolina. So yeah, I still have kind of a deep connection to that world, even though I live in New York, which is almost the opposite of North Carolina. <laughs> it's funny, I, I got this sense, and I'll, I'll go ahead and call it out here, uh, also with the interview with Randy Hunt as well a few episodes back, there's, e even though there's kind of a, a larger-than-life role, you know, CEO, you both sound really down to earth. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but uh, I guess I was expecting sound bites. I was expecting, you know, really polished kind of clippable uh, audio bits here that honestly, it's a little bit disarming because it's like, I have another uh, a human in front of me here. This is fantastic. Yeah. I, I think if I try to live, I try to live life really authentically. I think there's always pressure to do things that maybe are true to yourself. And yeah, I've tried to resist that with uh some success and, and you know some failures along the way but i think it's really important to be who you are and that's actually a pretty common topic in my coaching conversations with ceos mm, thank you for that and, and i am interested though i i love hearing about the business world uh do you mind giving just a couple of sentences as to what you did in your capacity as ceo of etsy 
Yeah. So I joined Etsy in 2008 as the CTO. It was a company of about 40 people. I wouldn't say it was unknown, but it was fairly, um, it was always kind of like, if it was a movie, it would have been like a cult classic that not that many people had heard of. But it was definitely on the rise. The company had been around at that point, just under three years. I came in and engineering infrastructure and everything needed a lot of work. And the company was growing and had a really great future ahead of it. So I spent the first three years there building out the engineering team. And in summer 2011, I was actually promoted to CEO and the founder stepped aside. So then I you know, ran the company for six years and we took the company public. And you know, at that point it was you know a NASDAQ listed public company and a thousand employees. And I think we were doing somewhere around 400 million in revenue. That was the run rate. So you know, it was a, a real company. And in the end, and I, I've been very honest publicly about this, I was replaced. Yeah, you know, I wasn't necessarily the right person to grow a public company. And so one of the things I learned from that experience, you know, which was a difficult experience, is knowing when to step aside, I think is really important. So that is something that comes up a lot in my coaching conversations, because no matter what you're doing in life professionally, it always ends. Like if you're a sports star, it ends. If you're a CEO, it ends. And so I think managing those kinds of transitions becomes uh, the most important thing. That's so cool. And I love that you're having this conversation with the awareness that that slice of a person's identity is just one piece of a much larger pie. Absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and shift over to the Omni Group. Do you have any recollection as to when you first used OmniFocus or talked to anybody at the Omni Group? I do. Like, fortunately, or maybe unfortunately, a kind of a digital pack rat. So like, I'm the kind of person who keeps lots and lots of old emails. And, and so I was curious, like, how did I come across OmniFocus and Omni Group? Because it's had such an important impact on my life. So I went back, I started blogging in 2001. So that was like 22 years ago. And my current blog goes back to 2005. So basically, I read the book, Getting Things Done in 2006. So, you know, almost 17 years now. And I've been reading Merlin Mann's 43 folders blog and tracking Merlin really closely. I think Merlin even today is a really cool guy in a lot of ways, uh, also a musician. And so Merlin talked a lot about GTD and I just started it at Yahoo at that time. And, you know, I think integrating kind of like a new environment, it was the largest company I'd ever worked at. And I was working in a job that was very cross-functional, like I was working with teams all over the world. So I think I needed some way of organizing my life even more than usual. So actually, I had forgotten this until I kind of looked back into my archives. I ran a speaker series at Yahoo, and I was so excited about like GTD, and Merlin actually invited Merlin as a speaker in 2006. So like right when I was getting into GTD, I invited Merlin. And I look back at the Omni Group's history, and I realized I didn't realize this until recently. Merlin was one of the designers who was brought in to help design OmniFocus. So yeah, I, I feel like I I tapped into like the main sort of motherload of GTD and OmniFocus because I I just happened to be crossing paths with Merlin back in that time, and so I had already read the book. And what I was really looking for was some you know the GTD book has such a strong philosophy. I was looking for some kind of software that sort of was very opinionated and baked that philosophy into it. And uh, I started using OmniFocus. 
the year it came out. I think it might've come out in January of 2006. I think I started using it in June and I've used it ever since. <laughs> it's been a part of my life through jobs and, and getting married and, and having a child and like all those sorts of things. That's awesome. And, and one of the things Randy actually mentioned a few episodes ago was that having this long uninterrupted history of relationship with the software gives you this unbroken timeline, this kind of rich past that you can pull from uh, to make future decisions or look into. Yeah. Has that been the case for you? Um, in fact, you know, one of the things that I, I keep as a, I think it's a custom perspective. I've been with the software so long, I, I almost forget like what's a built-in perspective and what's customers. But I think this is the custom one and I have a completed perspective. And so occasionally I will shift into that perspective and look at projects that I got done and like all the tasks that were done. And, and it's helpful. It's really helpful at the end of a year when you want to go back and kind of see how you spent your time in the year. It's funny, I get the prompt. I can't remember what the prompt is, but it asks if you want to archive some of your stuff going back and I always say no. So my, my OmniFocus database goes way, way back. I was looking at it recently and it was like a, a walk down memory lane. That's going to be a huge database. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's significant. <laughs> so talk to me about width of usage. You know, some people go really deep on one project or one slice of their professional life. Uh, for some folks, it's all over the place, you know, personal and professional life. Uh, where does it show up for you in your usage of OmniFocus? Yeah, for me, it's a, a record of everything. I mean, I'm self-employed, so I don't have to worry about sharing confidential information or anything like that. So I've kind of full control over my life. I'm also on three nonprofit boards that are really active. So there's a lot of work there. So you mentioned in the intro, I, I coach usually inside about 15 companies. I'm dealing with usually about 15 CEOs. So it's 15 CEOs for my work, executive directors at three nonprofits, the music stuff that I work on, like guitar and piano. So I use it for all of those things. A very common thing that happens is I'll do multiple coaching calls in a day and I'll promise to send something to a client. For example, there's a very famous essay by Peter Drucker called Managing Oneself that I often recommend. And right when I hang up the Zoom call, I like go to OmniFocus and add, send this email to this person. Because it's very easy even for something that simple to like, you know, your phone rings, the doorbell rings. And so I really look at OmniFocus as it's gone. Yeah. So OmniFocus is, is the brain. It's like the reliable brain. I use it to manage the building of my coaching website. Way back when I got married in 2007, I used it to help plan my wedding. And one like tiny use case that's super important to me is, you know, we all sign up for like trials for software or a streaming service and it's like one week free or 30 days free. I have a, a workflow where as soon as I click that, I put in OmniFocus the day before the trial runs out. You know, I recently signed up for Showtime and it is cancel Showtime if not using by today. And that feels like a gift to myself every time I land on the day and I feel like that little investment, it's super helpful, right? I use it for everything. I use it, I have it installed on all my computers, all my mobile devices and it's I use it as much as my email client. 
So cool. And and I'm sure you've gotten some variation of this question before in executive coaching, but what do you say to the person who maybe they have a realization that they should be doing something in the area of project or task management, uh, but they've just kind of reached that space where it's, I'm keeping more things in my head than I can handle. And it's starting to leak out the other side of my head. And I just, I need something more that's not working for me now. And so it could be as specific as OmniFocus or, or more broad, like, you know, tasker or productivity in general. But what's a great, like, first tip that you would give somebody? The low-hanging fruit, just what's something that you're like, if you haven't done anything yet, go ahead and do this. Yeah. And by the way, this comes up in my executive coaching conversations because think of the word executive. It's all about executing and executing depends on ordering tasks and thinking about what's most important, what's not the first thing I recommend to people is to read the David Allen book. I think it feels odd sometimes when I suggest that someone read the book because they feel like they're overwhelmed with tasks. And then I tell them, well, now you need to read a book. But when I do that, and I do that pretty frequently, I send them the uh, diagram out of the book that shows kind of like the inbox and all the sort of, it's probably got a name, but I think you know the diagram I'm talking about. And if anyone's listening, wants to know about it, look for like the kind of inbox or something like that. So I tell them to read that. That's my first bit of advice. I also say that it's, it's easy to think about these things as a solution, but I think of them more like a practice and just like practices like meditation or exercise. They're things that you do on a regular basis. And sometimes there are periods where you don't do them and maybe you kind of fall off the wagon and then you go back. I encourage them to think about GTD and OmniFocus specifically is something that just like if you're trying to run a marathon, you start running by uh, running a hundred feet and then you run 200 feet and then you run a mile. So don't feel overwhelmed. I think that's an important message because the thing that you're trying to get out of is trying to be overwhelmed. So you don't want to be overwhelmed by the tool that's supposed to relieve you from the sense of overwhelm. So those are the main things. Um, I guess one more thing even though the book, the David Allen book, I think encourages you to carve out a day or half a day and get everything into the system. And that's what I would actually recommend if you can do it. But I think a good way to start would be to pick a project and use OmniFocus for that project just to get used to the interface and, and everything. Because I think dumping every, if you read the book and then dump everything in OmniFocus, it might seem a little bit intimidating. I realize that's like a conflicting bit of advice. I think if you can do everything all at once as described in the GT book, but for most people that's intimidating. So one project would be a good place to start. That's excellent. And and what about the rest of your software ecosystem? Uh, for some people, OmniFocus is uh, what I call one link in a much larger chain uh, where there's mail or Obsidian or plugins that are just kind of daisy chaining it together uh, as part of an overall workflow. Yeah. Or is it just OmniFocus? But um, tell me a little bit more about how everything fits together for you in that workflow. Yeah, most most of what I do is just interacting with OmniFocus from my brain to uh, to OmniFocus. And I would say I mostly use the forecast view that I'm always kind of looking out in the next week or the next month. I tried, this is probably ancient history now, but I used to use Mail.app on Apple and there was a plugin, and I don't remember who made the plugin. It might have been Omnigroup called Clipatron, and it would allow you, kind of with a right mouse click, to push something into OmniFocus. I used it for a while, but I found that it's better just to cut and paste. 
because I think that I feel like it needs to be like a little bit difficult to get into OmniFocus because if it's going to get into OmniFocus, I'm going to do it. So like, I like a little bit of friction there. The Clippertron worked fine. Like it was probably worked too well, but I found myself just like easily dumping emails in OmniFocus. And there's a lot, if you Google about this, but I think using email as a task manager is generally not a good thing because it's it's a medium where anyone can assign you a task like at any moment just by sending you an email. I would say one thing that I use that's kind of maybe not directly connected to OmniFocus, but I would say like spiritually connected to OmniFocus. And I can't remember how I started using this, but I use a piece of software called DevonThink, which is like a document database and clippings. And you can basically put anything into it and it creates a searchable database of mostly PDFs for me, but you can drop all kinds of things in there. We could talk about this for hours, but sometimes people say, well, why don't you just use Spotlight on the Mac? I feel like Dev and Think is like this nice contained world. It's like walking into a library and Spotlight is just like the whole world, not the library. <laughs> Dev and Think is really helpful because I find that I have a task for January 31st every year to look to make sure I have all the like W-2s and everything for kind of like the U.S. tax filing that happens in April because I organize things really well in Dev and Think. I find myself looking at OmniFocus tasks that are related to like information gathering. And I look in Dev and Think to make sure that I have all the information gathered. But I've been using Dev and Think probably as long as OmniFocus. And I have a, a scan snap scanner. And so there's less and less paper in our lives, but I still get paper. And I have this workflow of like scanning the paper, putting it in Dev and Think. And then later on, some task will come up in OmniFocus that requires me to pull documents out of Dev and Think. I was really proud about a year ago, I was applying for a mortgage and I managed that in OmniFocus, but I'd done a really good job of scanning and tracking documents. So I was able to pull together all of the crazy documents that you need for a mortgage in about 20 or 30 minutes. So I felt very proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure, I, uh, my, my own OmniFocus database, I actually, uh, you were speaking to this metaphor of the library, you know, having stuff just in the library versus the entire world and then kind of the mental hurdle there. I, I do the same thing. I have uh, actually all my reference in OmniFocus and I just have a high level folder called reference and then projects and then everything just kind of gets dumped in there and it's uh, the database gets big, <laughs> but uh, it's it's really cool way to do things. So you can search external documents in OmniFocus. That's something I didn't know. Actually, no, not not uh, external documents. So you know, large HD video files don't show up in there. But uh, I am able to, if I need a screenshot of a receipt or something like that, just grab the screenshot, drag it into the notes uh, notes icon, and and uh, put it pop it in the reference folder, so I can type in, you know, yeah taxes 2021 and then everything has to do with taxes isn't there oh um, yeah i think i have actually done that but i maybe i should do that a little bit more <laughs> no I've, I've heard amazing things about devon think actually I, i've honestly never gotten to try it myself um but let's let's switch gears i want to talk about you mentioned the completed perspective uh leaning into forecast are there any other perspectives custom or otherwise that you really just kind of hang on to for your daily work no i think those two are um are the main ones. Like I find the the forecast interface is so intuitive, like the calendar layout, um, super helpful. And then completed, as I mentioned, I use that to like look back at what I've done. And you know, one of the things I love about OmniFocus is that you don't really need anything else besides what's built in. And it's like 
infinitely configurable when you can get by immediately without configuring anything. And it's one of those pieces of software, and this is super rare. I mean, I've been using it for, this will be like my 17th year. It gets better. Like it's a lot of software, it's worse. <laughs> and, you know, I find myself being cranky, like, oh, they changed this menu or whatever. And uh, the release process and how everything's been brought along is is really, really user-friendly. And I, I really, really appreciate that. Hmm. Uh, it's not really my space to say thank you, but thank you uh, on behalf of the Omni Group. I so appreciate you saying that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, Amazing. Tell me a little bit more about uh, automation. Do you have anything in the space of plugins or coding that you leverage uh, to get work done or even as simple as a repeating task or a routine? Uh, what shows up for you there? Yeah. I mean, I have quite a few repeating tasks. Like I have a weekly task, which is sort mail because there's a desk in my house. So I get the mail and it kind of piles up sometimes. And that recurring task, I remember a good week to like go through the mail if I haven't got gone through it very much. I mentioned the automation of preventing myself from renewing subscriptions that are like trial subscriptions and I don't want to renew. But I, I think like a lot of people who are really busy, like to some degree I'm fundamentally lazy. Like I don't want to think about things too much. So with OmniFocus, I'm always trying to predict like my future state of mind. I'm going to forget that I signed up for this trial. I'm going to forget to sort the mail. I'm going to forget, you know, a family member's birthday. So I put birthdays in there, but it's in the spirit of GTD. It's very much focused on next action. So it's not my wife's birthday is coming up. It is by card for wife's birthday. It's very action oriented. In that sense, I, I automate my future brain, <laughs> my future forgetful brain. And then I'm always trying to anticipate what I might forget to do uh, in the future. And so just today I did something where, um, you know, in New York, there's so many great museums and you can be like a member of the museum and you get some benefits. And so I joined the Met every year and, uh, I put a recurring task, not that they don't remind me, but I put a recurring task in there to make sure that I like rejoin the Met every year. So all that stuff, I feel like I have an assistant telling me to do things that, you know, I might've forgotten, which is super helpful. You know, Chad, I don't think that somebody shows up in whatever station of life that you found yourself in without uh, being at least at some level passionate about productivity or fully releasing or realizing your potential. Uh, it just doesn't happen by accident. Uh, and back to my earlier comment about having a real person here, you know, just not <laughs> sound bites. Do you mind speaking a little bit to that? Just a, a few words about either being passionate about productivity or, or being present, just whatever you've got on your mind there. It's very counterintuitive. So if anyone's listening and thinking about going down the GT path or OmniFocus path, well, one of the reasons I'm really passionate about it is being somewhat mechanistic about keeping track of everything and like executing everything actually gives me a lot more free time because I'm not kind of sitting around thinking like, what am I supposed to be doing? What do I have to do today? And so it gives me a lot of free time. And, and I think it sounds probably to some people like drudgery, but it actually organizing and staying organized is what gives me the free time to do what I was doing earlier this morning. Like I was, I have a recording set up in my basement and I have a friend and we do this for fun. We try to write songs and like record songs. And if anyone's ever tried to do any kind of production, I mean, you do audio production, 
to get like a good 30 seconds of something can take hours of days or weeks. And so, and that works really fun to me and really important. But if I wasn't like taking care of my business, generally being productive and paying my taxes and staying in communication as needed with the boards and on and that kind of thing, I wouldn't have time to sit in my basement for four hours and listen to that same 30 seconds and like do a new take and that sort of thing. So I think one reason I'm passionate about productivity is so that I can have those free moments, free hours that are required to do more creative work. So I think about, it's been a while since I read David Allen's book, The Getting Things Done book, but he talks about this idea of like mind, like water. And the way I always interpreted that is when everything you need to do is kind of contained in a system, you don't have, and I think he uses this language too, you don't have these open loops in your head that are distracting you. Like, did I do this? Is everything in place? And that allows you to do creative work, like write songs, record music, or just, you know, sit on the couch with your kid, have an 11 year old and watch TV without a sense of worry. So that's why I'm, I feel like being productive doesn't sort of condemn you to this existence of just constantly cranking. It actually is the thing that allows you to not constantly cranch. So that's how I look at it. Anything along the way in your kind of productivity journey that you would categorize as a mistake or a misstep or just something, if somebody else were to take the same path as you, you you'd kind of look back over your shoulder and say, you know what, you can just skip, skip that piece, but, uh, you know, keep going. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing would be sort of being intimidated by the idea of getting organized and so therefore not getting started. So yeah, I think the biggest mistake you can make is like not to get started. I honestly don't even know how people who don't have a system get along in their lives, but there's no way I could do it. So yeah, like I think if you're thinking about sort of being productive, being more productive, being more focused, I think not getting started is a big mistake. And again, I would encourage people to read the David Allen Getting Things Done book because it's super helpful even if you only adopt parts of it, like the concept of a next action, like always thinking in terms of action. The other maybe related to uh, not getting started as a pitfall, I think is trying to get started too fast. And so your workspace is like full of papers and everything is a mess and you tell yourself, I'm going to get started. I'm going to be productive by, you know, the end of the week and it's already Wednesday. And if I don't, I'm a terrible person and I'm, you know, condemned for my whole life to always be kind of a mess. So I think giving yourself some time to kind of get ramped up. And again, I mean, I, I'm repeating myself about the David Allen book, but I think when you read Getting Things Done, there's kind of like an initial process you can go through, which is super helpful kind of sorting through your inbox and organizing things. And then something that I haven't honestly been that disciplined about, but I think I do it often enough is kind of like the idea of a weekly review, kind of a meeting with yourself. And so again, like just getting started, I think is really important because if you get the system down, there are all kinds of places where you can catch yourself. If you're getting wobbly and kind of right the ship. But again, it's a, it's a very good life. Like I, I feel like the best times in my life were when I was getting a lot done. Everything I had was organized and yeah, mind like water. You can sort of focus on living your life and being present with people and doing creative work when all of that stuff is taken care of. 
Chad, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, if folks are interested in, in staying in your orbit and connecting with you and finding out more about what you're up to, uh, how can they do that? Sure. I have. I mentioned earlier, I have a blog that's been running since 2005. So if you go to blog.chatdickerson.com, there's an about me page. There's an email on that page, which is hello at chatdickerson.com. And that email comes straight to me. <laughs> So uh, that's a good way to reach out. And then my various social media links are on there as well. But uh, I enjoy getting emails from, from people I don't know who are doing interesting work. And I'm always excited to see one of those emails pop in my inbox. That's perfect. Chad, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Andrew. I really enjoyed it. Hey, and thank all of you for listening today, too. You can drop us a line on Twitter at The Omni Show. You can also find out everything that's happening with The Omni Group at omnigroup.com slash blog. Thank you.